saw a quote this week from someone that I highly respect, and it bothered me, and I wanna share it with you. It bothered me because I think it's partly true, and this is the quote. Unchurched people or unbelieving people are asking spiritual questions. They just don't think that the church can help them with answers. And that hit me kind of like right between the eyes, and it kind of hurt a little bit um, because of the truth of it. And it also motivated me in this series, Warring with the Gods. I've read a few verses that I'm gonna repeat this week that these spiritual issues that we're facing, we must address. Listen, there are not natural answers to spiritual problems. There are not political answers to spiritual problems. Some of us have the mindset, man, if we could just have the right political fill in the blank, so on and so forth, then all the problems will disappear. Nope, nope, it isn't gonna, it isn't gonna work that way. You have to have spiritual answers to spiritual problems to set you up for the victory that Christ promised in his death, burial, and resurrection. And as we war with these gods, you must understand this, that we are coming at this from the victory side. I'm a, I'm a victor-minded person, a, a victor-mentality person because Christ has made me and he's made you more than a conqueror. And Jesus always causes his followers to triumph. Can I get an amen from the church today? Okay, now listen, I'm gonna tell you something right now. The 9 a.m. shouted me down and applauded. One person stood up and waved a hanky at me. I mean, it got wild in here today. And there is a competition going on. I just want you to know this. I don't, I'm gonna pull the curtain back before I get into this message. There's a competition. We always judge at the end of the service which one was better, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m.? <laughs> Y'all don't always win. <laughs> so if you want this service, your service, to get posted online, because we only choose one, <laughs> you better help a brother out, okay? And let me tell you something, I'm good every time. <laughs> it's y'all that lag behind. <laughs> All right, there we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Warring with the gods, part three, 2 Corinthians chapter two, verse 11 says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, which infers that oftentimes he does, that he tricks us, he gets one over on the believer. And God through Paul is saying, this oughtn't be the case. Can I just say this to you? The devil ever ought never win and outwit any believer. Why? Because we have a distinct advantage in the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and he will make you look like a genius if you follow him and the enemy can never outwit the believer who's yielding to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Not ever. And so he's saying, so that, they, that Satan might not outwit us for we're not unaware of his schemes. Like we know what the dude is up to. We know what his plans are because God has shown us in his word. We have to dig it out. In the Old Testament, God is giving direction to the children of Israel, and here's what he says in Deuteronomy 6, 14. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. Don't follow these other gods. Who are these gods? Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16 says this. Be careful 
or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. These other gods come in the form of three things. There is the God of possession, the God of pleasure, and the God of power. And last week we discussed the God of power and said that the result and the root of what the God of power wants to do in your life is he wants you to elevate you. He wants you to take on a sense of pride, arrogance, and ego, thinking that you can do it on your own. Now, the antidote for the God of power is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not only a day, but it is a principle of God-centered rest. And this is the antidote for pride in your life. How is, how is Sabbath, God-centered rest, the antidote for pride? It's quite simple. Rest forces you to stop your own efforts and put your faith in God. It means you trust God to take care of it for you. You can rest from your work knowing that God's got your back, that God is gonna honor you when you honor him. And we read this last week that God after six days needed a break. How arrogant of us to think that we can burn the candle at both ends all week long and never take a break. If God needed a break from creating the universe, you need a break from creating your business. You need a break from servicing those folks that you're trying to help as clients. You need a break from cleaning teeth or teaching or doing all of the things that we do as uh, our work and careers cause us to do. We need a break. And, and, and it takes us resting. I'm gonna get a little ahead of myself, but um, if God said he needs a break and he commanded us to take a break, then who are we to ignore his command? Right? What you're saying by not resting is saying, I'm stronger than God. I've got it figured out. But when God commands something, here's the beauty of his commands, that when we obey his commands, the blessing that is attached to that command comes when we obey. So, these three gods come to us. I, I, I've been reading several books, and uh, Bronnie Ware um, began blogging many years ago. She's an Australian nurse and was involved in palliative care at, for several years, caring for people in the last 12 weeks of their life. And she began to record these folks in their dying days, their epiphanies. She began recording them and saw consistency and similarities in all of their aha moments. And so she began to blog about it. And the blog became so popular that it was put into a book. Many, some of you maybe have read it. Um, it's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. Anyone heard of this book or read this blog, anyone? Okay, great. I'm gonna maybe help you get some information you haven't had before. Here's what she recorded as the top five regrets of the dying. Number one, the dying say, I wish I had worked less. Number two, the dying say, I wish I had stayed in touch with friends. Number three, I wish I had been happier in life. Number four, 
I wish I had the courage to be myself. And number five, I wish I had gone for my dreams rather than other people's ideas for my life. And what I wanna suggest to you is this, that she's given us a gift in probably a prophetic form in showing you ahead of time what you're going to wish in your last moments. And since she gives us this gift, I think the only way that we can accomplish the avoidance of these regrets is to conserve energy through resting and reapplying that saved energy for the things that really matter in our life. How many of you have come to the place where you're old enough to realize you only have so much energy? Anybody ever gone, and this is the thing that I need you to understand. You're gonna go on vacation, uh, just to interact with me. How many of you have already gone on vacation? Let me see your hands. How many of you are yet to go on vacation? All right, um, for those of you who went on vacation, and I know this happens all the time, people will go on vacation and they'll come home more tired than when they left. Am I telling the truth? Why? Because we're trying to treat a symptom and not the root. Because here's the truth. You can be resting on the outside, but not resting on the inside. Some of you are doing it right now. You're chilled out externally, but inside you're thinking, did I turn the coffee pot off? Did I pay that bill? What's to, I got a meeting tomorrow and I'm not really looking forward to it. I wonder if my child is behaving in the children's ministry right now or if they've torn the paper off the walls. What's go, you, can re, you can rest on the outside but be riddled with unrest on the inside. And I want you to go on vacation and come back rested. But if you don't treat the root and you treat a symptom, you're never gonna win the war over this, over this God. I wanna remind you of something that sociologist Elise Boulding said that, she said this in the 1970s. It's amazing to me how people who don't necessarily have a relationship with God can be used by God to predict, to predict the future. Um, and this is what she said. If one, this said this in the 70s, 1978, if one is mentally out of breath all the time from dealing with the present, there is no energy left for imagining the future. Constantly out of emotional breath, never being able to get caught up. This is the God of power warring against us, resulting in pride and ego, and it is God-centered rest, the Sabbath, that breaks the power of that God, the, the Baal God, in our life. Jesus says this in Mark chapter two, verse 27, and I'll come back to it in a few minutes. This is what Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So what is rest? I wanna outline what this looks like really quickly for you. Uh, what, what some things are that you can interpret and should interpret as rest, all right? Um, number one. Rest is emotional honesty. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 11, or excuse me, Matthew 11. 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Notice he didn't say, come to me, all you happy, cheerful, optimistic people. What's he looking for? He's looking for the person who's gonna be emotionally honest and say, I'm exhausted, I'm at my wit's end, I'm at my last straw, I've got no more energy left, and over nearly 20 years of interacting with people, I can tell you this first one could have saved so many people from nervous breakdown, from financial breakdown, from marital stress, from parental stress, if they would have just had the courage to say to someone who cared, I'm tired. That is not you cussing to say I'm tired. And now I, I, need, I need to back up and say this. I know who I'm talking to because I've lived here my entire life. All but two years of my life I've lived right here in Newark, Licking County. I am not speaking to a group of entitled, lazy people. I'm talking to some hard-working, red-blooded, God-fearing, meat-eating, gun-toting Americans. I know who I'm talking to. I can throw red meat to the crowd whenever I want to. I know how to do it, but I choose not to lots of times. I need you to understand this. I'm talking to you, the person who has worked at times their fingers to the bone and that you were raised to not show weakness in, in acknowledging fatigue. That's who God is after. He's saying, listen, I needed a break you need a break at times too. And you're gonna have, this is gonna be one of the most challenging spiritual growth steps for some of you. There was all kinds of activity after the, the earlier service. And uh, I'm gonna give you an action step here in a little bit and um, give you time to discuss it. And I was talking to some folks and they're like, yep, um, we're, gonna, we're gonna wait until September to make a day for the Sabbath. And I said, you can dishonor the Lord for the next two months if you want to, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> and this is what you need to understand. There's two ways that you can approach what I'm saying to you. You can say, oh, that's just Josh. He needed something to fill the space and time with for Sunday morning. <laughs> or you could even say, hey, that's Pastor Josh and I respect what he knows from the word and he's doing his best to serve us and help us. That's good. But listen, there's a higher level of, of authority that I'm asking you to yield to. This book is either true or it's not. There are blessings or there aren't in, in obeying what he's said. And this and your obedience through faith is what stands between you and God's best for your life. I'm not trying to take something from you. I'm trying to help get something to you so you can live under a blessing and get rid of that exhaustion and fatigue that make no sense, right? So. So emotionally, emotionally honest. Uh, the next one is resting is an invitation to return to your true identity. When you were created, you were created in the image of God. You were created and wired to respect God-centered rest. That's how he made you. 
but through the course of time, we've been reprogrammed to allow our identity to be attached to what we do and what we produce. And this is it. rest is an invitation to return back to what God designed you to be. Now, um, uh, something that was amazing. Uh, my dad, um, in the last few days, sent me a text, and he had an image of the manifest of the ships that my grandparents came to the United States on from Italy. So he actually had a photo of the manifest with my grandparents' name in it. And I say ships because my grandfather, it's the classic American, you know, come to America story. Granddad came ahead of time, earned money, sent money back to bring the rest of the family. So he came ahead and worked, sent the money back. Um, my grandmother, uncle, um, aunt, and mom came separately. And I was looking at the manifest was so, it was so amazing. Um, and, I'm, and I'm saying this because that immigrant work ethic was our identity. You work hard. You work hard. But something that was just kind of a, a side note that I found captivating. Um, my, my mother's maiden name is Missimi. M-I-S-S-I-M-I. And the, and the manifest was in alphabetical order. And right above my grandfather were two Loprestes. I have a friend whose name is Michael Lopresti. He worked with us as our mortgage broker as we were building this building to secure the loan. I sent him the text. I said, is this your family? He said, yeah, that's my great uncle and his wife. His great uncle and my granddad came to the United States at the same time and God saw it fit to like circle back and have him help us as we secured what God wanted to do next. Like, you can't tell me God isn't cool the way he works. I mean, that's amazing. So, third, rest is relational vulnerability. Rest and the Sabbath involves other people. I highlight this to you because I think it's much easier to relationally think that we've connected digitally. I love online, I'm glad you're there. I want you watching. I know we're, many of us are on social media and we're connecting digitally. Fine, I'm not, I'm not gonna go to war against that. But watch against buying into the belief that because you've connected digitally, that that's all the connection you need. God, listen, if that's all the connection you need, then God could have just shouted from heaven, hey guys, I love you a whole lot. He could have sent a tweet. He could have put it on TikTok. He could have had it sent to your kids on Chapsnat and they would have sent it to you. But watch this. That isn't what he did. What did he do? He sent his son in flesh and blood to make a real connection to say, hello, I'm God in the flesh here to show you the way. He became relationally vulnerable, got away from the crowds when he needed rest. Listen, if Jesus could come to grips with his humanity, we ought to be able to follow that example as well. Rest is radical and countercultural. The Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard said it this way. 
If I were allowed to prescribe just one remedy for all the ills of the modern world, I would prescribe silence. Amazing things happen when we go counterculture. And I say that quote connected to radical countercultural movement because the world we live in is very noisy. And rest, God-centered rest, it doesn't just push out the noise externally. It quiets the internal stuff that's going on. It's radical, and it's so against the grain. Rest, fifthly, is spiritual. Please write this down if you're taking notes, or if you're not. Rest is spiritual. Rest isn't failure. But often it feels like failure because we've gone and gone and gone. But let me say it to you this way. If you don't choose rest, rest will choose you. Elijah had done everything he knew to do. Go back and read this in the Old Testament. He battles the prophets of Baal, the God we're talking about, the God of power, and is victorious. He doesn't rest. He keeps moving, and rest is forced on him in the form of discouragement and depression and suicidal tendencies. He just beat the gods and the prophets of that God, but he doesn't honor with his energy, and it comes right back and he loses that battle. Rest is sleep. I love this verse in Isaiah chapter 57. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds, each one who walked in his upright way. If you don't choose rest, rest will choose you. Our youth just had an incredible week at camp. And they're young, and they're fit, and they've got energy that's disgusting. <laughs> and 90% of them fell asleep on Friday afternoon because they couldn't do it anymore. Rest is sleep. Lastly, before I give you the practical ways, rest is giving yourself grace to receive all the good instead of receiving all the guilt. A few weeks ago, I wasn't feeling well, and I had no energy. I woke up one morning and felt like I'd been beaten in my sleep with a sock full of marbles. I mean, every joint hurt, I ached everywhere. And I stayed, I stayed in bed, and half the time I was in bed, I dealt with guilt over not doing this email or going to this meeting or having this conversation. I mean, the battle of guilt was very real for me. And this was a forced thing. Like, I didn't have necessarily a vote. Like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't go. And I was dealing with the guilt. And I had to fight that guilt. And I finally just talked to the guilt. And I said, hey, look, guilt, you don't win I win uh, because I want to do good for people and I'm no good to anybody dead. And if I keep up at this pace, I'm going to be dead. So pardon my language, but this is 11 a.m. crew, right? Screw you guilt. 
that, that messed with some of you, but it's okay. Like, like you'll, you'll sit there and you'll accept these things, but when it comes time to kind of have some backbone and strength, we'll just be apologetic about these things that are beating us, and I need us to get some like spiritual courage and guts and stand up to these spiritual things that are beating us like you would your neighbor who put a fence up in your yard without your permission. I need you to take the same attitude toward fear, guilt, and shame as you do the neighbor's dog who barks in the middle of the night. I'm not gonna, I, I think I made the point there, right? Practical ways of honoring the Sabbath in a modern world, number one. So last week was theolo theological, foundational. Today's practical, so you can see what some things are that rest looks like. Now, how do we do it in practical terms? Josh, I live in a busy world. Um, I got stuff going on, I've got a job, I've got a, I've got a family, I'm, I'm trying to build a business, I, I, I'm trying to go to school, I'm, I'm doing all these things. How do, I, how do I honor the Sabbath in the modern world? Number one, this isn't a small point, but it, and it needs to be made. Make, make it or keep it simple. Keep it simple. Some of you are gonna get in a religious rut. Religion overcomplicates simple things. The Sabbath got complicated because the Pharisees made it complicated. They got so stringent about not working on a particular day that they criticized Jesus over healing someone on the Sabbath. Made a big deal over the disciples plucking grain on the Sabbath. But this is where, and this is the context for Jesus saying in Mark chapter two, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What's that mean? That means God-centered rest is supposed to serve you. You aren't supposed to serve it. In other words, it's not supposed to stress you out. It's not supposed to make your life more complicated. It's to help you rest. How did they do this? The Pharisees essentially took the commandments of God and created hedges around them making them more and more complex. So let me give you an example. Drunkenness would be an example of a commandment that the Lord says that we are to abstain from drunkenness. Over and over we see this. You're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to be drunk. So what the religious leaders of the day would do is they would create a hedge around that command and they would say, well, since we're not supposed to be drunk, we shouldn't even drink. And they would go even another layer and create another hedge and they would say things like, they would say things like um, for today, um, uh, we are not even to uh, partake in anything that has alcohol in it, soy sauce, for example. The Pharisees would say, you're sinning by dipping your sushi in soy sauce. It's fermented beans, so that's a no-go. They would say, they would build a hedge around, around scope because there's out, contents of alcohol in it. So no, no, no scope for anybody, and the moment you do it, you're sinning, and they would build a further hedge around it. They would boycott the company that made the scope or the soy sauce and research out what these, what these folks made and they would say, that's a no-go. So they created hedges, 
making their life overly complicated. And, and how does that apply to us? You're gonna have a tendency to wanna get real religious and strict about the Sabbath. And I need for you to make it simple. They became so obsessed with the rules, they lost the point. Religion has warped God's gift of rest into a burden. So number one, keep it simple. Number two, choose a day and make it sacred. Let me build on this with make it simple. Last week, my predetermined Sabbath was Friday. Things came up. Friday didn't work out for me to have a Sabbath. Had to do a hospital, I needed to do a hospital visit. I had some other things and it just kind of, you ever had a day where you've, how many of you all have ever had a day it didn't just go according to plan? <laughs> Life just didn't play along. That was last Friday. I didn't do drama over it. I didn't get mad about it. I just said, okay, I can make an adjustment and now tomorrow can be my Sabbath. Our staff works Sunday through Thursday. We have Friday and Saturday off. One of those days is meant for them to do like their errands and the stuff that they have to do personally. And another day is meant for them to be able to rest. And so we, you know, we get to choose that. I don't always win. I don't, I don't, I can't tell you that I get a Sabbath every single week, but I sure do try. Sometimes I don't get an entire day. Sometimes I'll just get part of a day. Had a conversation with one person, like, I need to start, and I need to start with like a half a day. Like, keep it simple. Pick a day, listen, and mark it as sacred. Mark it as sacred. When you mark it sacred, then communicate it. So, um, as our kids were growing up, we marked Sunday as sacred. That meant, um, it's, it's gonna get wild in here for just a second, but, but just follow me, all right? That meant, listen, this is radical. This is countercultural. You ready? No sports for our kids on Sundays. My kids. Oh, help us, Jesus. It ruined, someone's like, we can't, what, what? No, no sports for kids? Oh my gosh, that's abusive. That's not loving. That, you gotta let kids do that kind of stuff, Pastor Josh. It's gonna ruin their life. I think they're doing pretty freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with where they are. Listen, there's no judgment but it's, a, it's the result of choosing a day, whatever day it is, and making it sacred. Can I just say this to you? That the world isn't going to play along and go along with this plan. Why? It's counter-cultural. It's against the grain. We, ma we, made that, we made that day sacred. Can I tell you a story about how I had a fit? I've been doing something that's been helpful to me. I've been asking this question of people in like smaller settings. I'm gonna give it a run in, in this larger setting. And here's the question. Um, how frank can I be with you? Can I bring it? How many of y'all like Frank? Okay, Frank's a good guy. Um, I left my house 
drove by the high school um, in the neighborhood that we live in, and it was, uh, it was about 8.30 in the morning, and the, all, all the parking lots were full of cars. So I'm a very curious person. I had to know what was going on, and I, and I, I found out there was an elementary age wrestling tournament going on. And I may or may not have cussed on the way to church that day because I was so mad. It got under my skin so bad. Like this invasion on the Lord's day. How dare they? And listen, I'm right. I'm gonna say that again. I'm right. You don't have to. Nobody freaking cares. That's the truth. Nobody cares. Am I saying that as a sad song to put shame and guilt? No. I'm saying no one has loved the next generation enough to stand up and tell them what I'm trying to say, which is you need to find a day, whatever day it is that's sacred, it will wear you and your family out if you don't. Josh, you don't understand. We've got small kids. We can't just pause and take a break. Yes, you can. 100% you can. You can put away the screens <laughs> you can take that screen away from yourself. I did it at the staff intensive. Had a little basket and took all the phones. And I was shocked. No pushback whatsoever. And I realized they all had on their Apple watches so they weren't missing anything. <laughs> so I'm like, give me the watches. Then they got all bristled up. Oh boy. It got, it got, it was on. Now listen, listen, listen to me, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. If you can't put away your screen, don't expect them to. If you can't take it away from you, good luck taking it away from them. I mean, parental guidance is simply example leadership. You showing them the way, right? Putting away the screens is an incredible way to do it. Um, um, uh, Sleep differently is a practical way to, to, to make this day sacred. What's that mean? Whatever day you set as your Sabbath, don't set, a, don't set an alarm. Wake up when you, when you wake up. Take a nap if you wanna take a nap. You lost me there, Josh, again. I got little kids, you don't know what I'm dealing with. I've had four. We had four by 24. We had four kids in 35 and a half months. We had four in diapers. I'm gonna be a little bold right now. I know what I'm talking about. Our kids are twins. Today is actually Jacob and Julia's 23rd birthday, today. They would wake up at an ungodly hour. Nobody should be awake then, except firefighters and security guards. Nobody should be awake. You know what we said to them? Go back to your room. You don't have to sleep, I can't make you sleep but you're going back to your room and you're going to be quiet. Don't tear my stuff up. Go back. Do you know what they did? They went back. It's leadership. Parenting is the truest test of leadership you'll ever experience. It's nap time. You don't need a nap. You just need a break. Put them in their room. Put them in their crib. They can cry for 30 minutes. It'll help their breathing capacity. They'll be fine. 
I know some of you don't like this, and here's, here's the problem. If you're not on board with this, you're the problem. Because we're full of a society of people who've never been told no. And so when you as an adult have never been told no, and someone tells you no, no one served you, then you let that pride and arrogance, how dare they? And it is a lack of someone telling you a long time ago, no, because no is a part of life, and rest is that no that every age needs. No, we're not doing that. We trust God to come through for us. Sleep different. Put the, put, the, put the screens away because listen, your presence is more valuable to the people in front of you than the people on the other side of the Wi-Fi. Make it sacred. Sleep different. Put stuff away. Communicate it. Here's another one. On your Sabbath, a way to make it sacred. You ready? Don't spend money. <laughs> In Exodus, when the Ten Commandments were given, the Sabbath not only commanded the involvement of doing no work, it also involved the no spending of money. It involves participating and not participating, rather, in, sim in systems that encourage others from not honoring the Sabbath. <laughs> spend one day and don't spend any money on Amazon. You can get it in the next 48 hours anyway. Doesn't have to be at your doorstep before you wake up the next morning. One man said it this way, when we purchase things on the Sabbath, we continue to participate in the 24-7 anxiety system of Pharaoh. There's an organization that I really respect, Chick-fil-A, not only for their sandwich and chicken nuggets and sweet tea. They're closed on Sunday, so you can't go, but I just made you hungry for it, maybe some of you. Um, I found something very interesting about Chick-fil-A. They're closed on Sundays, and they do more revenue in six days than any other single fast food restaurant does in seven. And Sunday is the busiest fast food day of the week, and they exempt themselves from that. It's a beautiful example of what? That when you honor the Sabbath, you don't need that. God will bless you in the six greater than you can ever bless yourself in the seven. It's a trust. It's a faith issue. So we lastly, two, two more and I'm done. Y'all doing okay? It's raining. You're going to get wet out there anyway. So I told the, I told the parking lot team not use the, to not use the umbrellas so you'd have to stay. <laughs> I didn't tell them that. So you make it simple, you make it sacred, then you anticipate it. Um, so when we, when we make it sacred, 
I want you to think about your calendar for just a moment. Many of us think in terms of our work week or our week, um, one day plus six, or two days plus five, right? You think in those terms, Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Or you think Sunday, Monday through Saturday. I wanna switch that up. Rather than two and five, which most of us probably think, I want you to think three, one, and three. I want you to put your Sabbath, whichever one it is, at the center of your life. And so this third component, anticipate it. If your Sabbath is, say, today, then what I would encourage you is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you're looking forward to your Sabbath. You're talking about it with your family. You're praying with your kids before they go to bed. Hey, we're getting ready to honor the Sabbath in a few days. Let's, add, let's, let's ask God to bless this week. Anticipation in life is half the fun of the events that we participate in. Half the fun of Christmas is the anticipation. Half the fun of a wedding is the anticipation. Half the fun of the baby being born is leading up to the day. Or like we had yesterday, we had these bits of anticipation where yesterday um, Jake and Lauren did a gender reveal and Angie and I are gonna be grandparents to a granddaughter we found out yesterday. So we're having a granddaughter and we're, and we're, and we're gonna spoil the fire out of this girl. Angie already has started. She anticipated a girl and bought girl stuff. That wasn't prophetic. She also anticipated a boy and bought boy stuff. <laughs> but do you hear what I'm saying? Anticipate it. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, God, thank you for giving me energy and strength to get through these days. And I can't wait until I can just have you at the center and have some rest. Then, so three, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, rest, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, reflect on what's got, what God has done and give thanks, right? However you work that in your mind, whenever the day is, three, one, three, put it at the center. Change your calendar, you're allowed to do that. And the last one is reject guilt. This is, a, this is a challenging thing to reject the guilt that comes from resting in God. So, because I don't want to do what I did when I drove past the school, that energy and anger that I had, it was really a pharisaical spirit. It was a religious spirit judging others for what they were doing. That's not mine to do. That's not my task. That's theirs, right? And I don't want us to be like, remember earlier I talked about, let's not build hedges, let's not overly complicate it. For some of you, listen, three hours on a particular day is a good start. Three hours. For some of you, half of your waking day is a good start. For some of you, you can say, oh, you know what? I can do, I could do from sunup to sundown on this day. None of that's my task. My task is to present you with the option of winning the war over this God of power and inviting you into a faith journey through obedience 
that lets God move in your life. 